And the question that I was thinking about throughout the whole time of the pandemic is what can I be doing to just show up? And it, may, it forces me to look at what do I have available at my disposal to make something happen versus throwing my hands up and saying, well, that's it. I'm screwed. That's defeatist. Like nothing, nothing happens at that point. Welcome to episode number two of the Everything But Music podcast. I'm very happy to be talking to my good friend Arash Haile, a.k.a. Shami D. He was recently featured on The Ellen Show because he started playing free shows just setting up on his L.A. Hollywood apartment rooftop for everyone around him for free as a way to alleviate some of the stress and some of the loneliness that people have been suffering suffering from uh, with the coronavirus lockdowns. When he was down to come on the show, I was so happy and I jumped at the opportunity to record it for everyone and share it with you all here. Be sure to subscribe on our YouTube channel. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and be sure to connect with us on Twitter and let us know who you want to hear on the show next. DJ, <laughs> coach, singer, songwriter, musician. Yeah. Overall, just amazing creative. My very, very good friend, Arash Haile, but more better known as, better known as Shami D. I'm so happy to have you, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, David. It's oh, good to see you, man. No problem. No problem. So, yeah, man, for me, when I think of creatives just making it happen, especially with everything that's going on and being just very focused to the people that they serve, you're one of the first people that comes to mind. Oh, yeah. thank you. That means a lot. Oh, man, it's, it's the truth, you know. So I guess for me, where I would like to start is just everything that's been happening with the pandemic, right? So, of course, being a creative during all this stuff has been extremely stressful. Essentially, the gigs have dried up, right? Yeah. Not even dried up. They've been blocked. Nothing. Yeah. If you're – most people think of musicians and artists and whatnot – but really, it's DJs. It's everybody who supports these venues. Everybody who works in the venues, uh, the wait staff, the kitchen staff, everybody. Right, everybody's out. So, walk me through what happened. Right, as a creative, as someone who does all this work full time. You know what happened when the pandemic started? Absolutely. So for uh, f- so for people who don't know who I am uh, or what I do, I I'm a full time DJ slash creative. But DJing is the bread and butter for me. And um, when the pandemic hit, we, we, were, we were learning about it late January, February, and it, I was seeing hints of it in February that it, it was about to go down. So I, at Bloomingdale's is one of my clients. I was DJing one of their probably like biggest store in, in, um, in Southern California for sure, South Coast Plaza. And there, I had one gig there on a Saturday and literally the week, if not like the day before, a couple days before a news report came out that someone had COVID and was in the mall, that particular mall. So I get there and it's almost like a ghost town. And all the employees at the different, I was in cosmetics. So people at the perfume station were, were just like, literally no one's been in the store. And it came out that it was a false report, but at that time the damage is done. Nobody, nobody was there. So it got a sense of like, this is going to be potentially um, really damaging for all of us. Uh, if it could knock out how a store was doing within a week. And then it wasn't until like March 
that for me in the span of three days, I, everything got wiped out. Right? Definitely up through sep- the summer. Definitely up through the summer. And I'm talking like I got heads up that a theater job that I was doing um, in uh, mid to late spring was done. Uh, all uh, Norsham is another one of my clients. So all their events for the spring season was out. Um, hotels and bars that I would DJ had done. Uh, and so literally like donezo. So then we get the report that we have to be in quarantine. So as I'm like panicking, not like panicking, go crazy, but just thinking, what, what am I going to do? And I think that was the question that all creatives have. Like, what are we going to do? This is our primary source of income. And so what happens next? So we, hit, we get the quarantine order. And the next morning, I wake up and I'm like, just show up. There was a voice in me that said, just show up and be present. Part of that came from, uh, I think people, I don't know if you're familiar with Grant Cardone. Oh man, are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, right. who isn't, right? But I remember a while back, I seen one of his posts where he was talking about in times of economic contraction, people tend to hold on. That's the time you need to like really go forward. Now, I think he was also talking about marketing, putting money down in marketing and expanding. Look, if you have the wherewithal to do that, yes, then spend the money and keep showing up. But if you don't, the critical point of what he was saying was just be present, be aware, have people be aware of who you are. This isn't the time to hold back with what you're doing. So in my mind, I wake up and I'm just like show up and I start live streaming and I start uh, with Facebook. And I'm doing DJ sets and people are getting down. They're loving the DJ sets. I'm getting good, uh, good vibes, good responses from it. And, and then um, I keep pushing it forward. I go from once a week to two times a week to then DJing three times a week online. Uh, dealing with all like the Facebook takedown issues and muted stuff, but whatever. We're just figuring it out. Well, hold on. And, oh, I got I to stop you there. The Facebook yeah. takedown issues. What is this about? Facebook Facebook has these um, issues with copyrights. So for DJs in particular, when you're playing other people's music that you do not have the rights to, they just do a general takedown notice like, you can't do this. Uh, Sony is claiming your rights to your video. And I think basically they're saying, they're making sure you're not profiting off of other people's songs. So it's a whole complicated, it's a, that's a whole nother rabbit hole we can talk about, but it's, that issue for a lot of DJs uh, meant that their streams were getting cut. I was getting kicked off Facebook multiple times. Instagram was being a hard ass about it um, until D Nice did his thing. You know, D Nice kind of has a special. He he cracked the code. He knows people and got the code cracked, so he can play with no issues. But for most of us, it's a big deal um, that we still have trouble navigating. So uh, dealing with that with Facebook and um, but still showing up and, and trying to stream as often as possible. And then I took it to, this is not going to be a long story, it sounds like, but. That's okay, that's good. <laughs> all right, all right. So then this is, so keep doing that. And then I think about, well, what else can I do? And then I had the idea, because I was inspired by the people, there were DJs in Italy during their quarantine that were setting up their equipment on their balcony and playing for their neighbors. Right. And I was like, that's kind of tight. I want to do something like that. 
And I did. So one Saturday, I just set up on the roof and start playing. And I'm super nervous about it. You know, I'm like, what's going to happen? I have no clue. But the response was super dope. People came out on the balconies, were dancing, and they had a good time. Um, that video is up on my Instagram. Um, so you can literally get a whole sense of like what the, what the night was like. Uh, and, and then I just kept doing that. Right? Every Saturday, I'd show up around the same time during sunset and just play for the people on top of live streaming. So then that became a thing. Um, it, it took off in its own way, got caught on, uh, Los Angeles, LA news stations, um, KTLA and ABC, uh, somehow made its way to Ellen. So that was crazy. Uh, so that got syndicated and then, or syndicated, right. Got caught on a syndicated show. Uh, and then I, I had stopped that. And, um, the next thing that I did was doing these DJ pop-ups. So basically it's like drive-in shows, like drive-in theaters, but instead of movies, you listen to me play and I have projections on a wall behind me. So I was doing that for a strong like four or five months. Uh, that paused in September. Uh, no, I think September, yeah. And um, looking to get that going again. Um, so those are like the main things that I was doing with DJing during the pandemic. The way that you saw this super difficult situation and your immediate reaction was, okay, what else can I give to these people? How can I make other people feel better in the middle of all this? I remember when I, when you posted that video, that Instagram video of you just setting up on a rooftop, I said, damn, this is, this is dope. This is really, really cool. This is what musicians, I'm not gonna say should be doing, but when they do things like this, it means so much. It was very inspiring to see that. You know, my other question is, did you ask anybody or did you just show up with these speakers on a rooftop, on your rooftop and just pointed it to sort to somebody? I mean, was there any kind of planning for that or did you just uh, shoot first, ask questions later? Uh, it was it was shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wasn't going yet any kind of okay from nobody. So <laughs> it's just kind of like, fuck it, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. Whoa. And, and and you're right. Like it's about it is about like what we all have gifts, and in a time that we may not be able to monetize on these gifts, people still need entertainment. People still need music. People still need something to take their mind off what's going on. So one of the things that kept me going was getting texts from people after a live stream saying, "Oh my gosh, that I was in a bad place today. That really lifted my spirits. I needed to hear that." Or, "Oh my gosh, thank you so much." I feel so much better after listening to you know, your music today. And it, it just showed me that we as musicians and artists still have value to people, regardless of the fact that we cannot, we're not in a place where we can make money from that just yet, or we were figuring out like what to do, how to make money. I, the fact that you are out there sharing, these things leave impressions in, your, in people, other people's minds, like you just shared. Right. Uh, yesterday, I had a gig um, for UCSD, their homecoming event. And one of the guys that was in the control room handling all the live streams from the different locations was like, I remember you were one of the first people that was live streaming that I tuned into. Wow. They remember that. I didn't. And I had no idea. Right. Until he told me. And I, I was like, oh, wow. Uh, so it it just goes to show that people are paying attention and if you're proactive about 
your career or if you're proactive about the moment, then things will happen. Things can happen. You don't know what's going to happen, but you have to take action and you will, you allow what's to come to come. So, so here's, so then here's the question, right? If you talk, you, you said, you mentioned mindset. So in yesterday's homecoming show, they had Switchfoot perform as well. So I'm, I'm DJing this thing, hosting this thing, Switchfoot performs and we're done and we're chopping it up afterwards. And he's asking me like one of the, the guitar players is like, so what are you all doing as DJs to, and I'm like, oh, live streaming is like the thing. And in conversation, we both agreed that the people who are being proactive about the artists and musicians that are being proactive about their careers now are the ones that are going to be ahead when everything comes back. But it's not coming back. We don't know when it's coming back. All we, we can hope for 2022 at the latest, we can hope for the vaccine to come. The question becomes in the now, and in the meantime, between now and when things open back up, what can you do to create that therapy for others? Because the way that the clubs operated was one way of that happening. It was not, it's not the only way, but it's the most social way, quote unquote, of how we experienced entertainment. Now it just looks different. Uh, now it's a little, it's more isolated, if you will with live streaming and things like with, with basically live streaming. And if you were doing a live experience, like a drive-in theater, let's say you are still communing. You are still in communal uh, space with people. You're sharing a parking lot, but the experience is still within your car. So there's still something isolated within that. That's that experience is different from like a theater where everybody's sitting in the same row, everybody's laughing at the same time. It's, it's a completely different energy, but you can still deliver an experience. And so the question that comes, that came up for me and the question that I was thinking about throughout the whole time of the pandemic is what can I be doing to just show up? And it, may, it forces me to look at what do I have available at my disposal to make something happen? Versus throwing my hands up and saying, well, that's it. I'm screwed. That's defeatist. Like nothing, nothing happens at that point. Damn. Damn. Okay. So what are some things that musicians and creatives can do right now? How do you see this playing out at least for the next six months? What are some things that people can start being proactive in, you know, at least these avenues? Yeah, I, it's a good question. So I think it all depends on, well, it depends on what you do and what you'd like to do. I, uh, Let's I don't think, know how this is. Yes. Let's focus it to like performers, I guess, right now. So like musicians, yeah. things like this. Great. Okay. So we can hope for things to come back the way they were. I don't know if hoping for things is going to do anything for our career specifically. Right. I am a full proponent of live streaming is going to be the thing. The thing about pandemics, and my coach says this, um, pandemics of this magnitude accelerate what's going to happen, what was already going to happen. So the live industry model, as we saw it, it was, was going to break at some point. The pandemic took what would have happened in 30 years and brought it into six months, right? So if we were looking at live shows as the only way that we can make money or the only way that we can perform and now that avenue is gone, then what do I have as a performer at my disposal that I could use 
to showcase, I look at two things. One, what can I use to showcase my abilities and what can I use to generate a fan base? Because as performers, that's really what we're looking for. Why do we need a fan base? We need a fan base that'll help sustain the art that we are making. And today's technology of live streaming, social media, and payment processors like Venmo, Cash App, have really changed the game for a lot of people. A lot of people. Oh, for sure. And things like Twitch too. I mean, shout out to Louis Valenzuela here in San Diego. He's he's moved his whole jam online and I can link to it here to this video. Yeah. But what he's doing is, I think, tremendous. You know, he's moving his, what usually was done in person. He's having just the few people that usually perform and just live streaming it. And you're exactly right. Things like Venmo, the cash app, you can send these people money as if you're there. You know what I mean? And it, it allows them to keep going and keep doing all these things. Um, I also think you're completely right with the acceleration. I mean, there was a lot of things happening with venues. When I was working as a musician and I would speak with other musicians that the musicians would be confused about in terms of like pay to play kind of situations and all these different things. Like the venues themselves were under a lot of pressure before the pandemic. Right. So you, I think you're completely right. It's very interesting to think about this really as a way for things to open up and for new avenues of making a sustainable living in the arts come to fruition, really. Consistency will mean something when everything comes back together. When you show up consistently, people notice, people remember. And when we all come back to whatever normal looks like, your name will be the ones that pop up because people remember the things that you did during this time. You will never have, barring another pandemic, there will never be another opportunity like this. So I, and I hear both sides of the spectrum. Like some people are like, you know, if you're feeling down, you don't have to feel like you have to achieve and do the most. And I understand that and respect that. If you feel like you want to do something and show up, then I understand that, respect that. This is the train that I'm on. And I, because I know that there will be a payoff at the end of it. What that payoff will look like, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I have seen things pay off over time. And it's the repetition of showing up consistently that's going to do stuff for you as a performer. And this is, I think, Anyway, you should be doing this. I don't like to use the word should, but I highly recommend you consider incorporating live streaming into what you do as an artist and as a performer, because this is eventually something you were going to have to do anyway. So why not do it now? Figure out the kinks now and not be left behind when everything comes back together. Who are some people that you listen to to, to really solidify that frame and have that mindset down? This, it's a hard thing to do, and it's something that goes beyond the arts, I think. I mean, I'm sure musicians can use it and creatives can use it, but... Totally. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do want to touch on something you just said. Like, it's scary to do that. Why is it scary would be my question. I think, for me, when I think of things, it's always easier to say, oh, so-and-so did it this way. So now what I can do is I can graph that. So there's a way forward. Or... There's a set way to go forward. It's easier to see, right? When you're looking at the unknown and it's a blank canvas, that's where you realize, okay, well, anything can happen. It's almost like you're composing. You know what I mean? Like you're looking at a blank sheet of paper and you're like, I can go anywhere I want with this. 
in a way that's often scary because, you know, depending on how you're coming about it, if you have this binary relationship between mistakes and failures, no, or fa- I should say failure, success, binary relationship, it can be very, very daunting, right? So if you take that binary relationship and you apply that to life in general, and you add the stressors and the worries of, well, you know what? I fucked this up. I'm not going to eat. Well, if you know what? I fucked this up. I'm going to be homeless. It can create a situation that can be very scary. You know what I mean? That's what I was thinking. Totally. I, and I agree. But I, I, wanted, I wanted to hear that because that's, that's the thing that's important. And it also ties into my, my response to, to this is I have – so I have a creative coach and someone that's helped me through my creative process and also is helping me with my business. His name is Mike Monday. He's a just brilliant, brilliant man. And I, he challenges me so much and he takes, he'll take things I say, I, uh, and as a coach and he'll, he'll challenge these notions and he'll do exactly what I did to you. You scary. What does that mean? What do you mean? He doesn't have that voice, but I'm making it up. (laughs) (laughs) And he will deconstruct the idea. So if I deconstruct what you just said, what I heard was it's scary because it hasn't been done before. Right. Right. I, I can take someone else's thing and apply it and like add my twist to it, but I know it works because someone else had success in it. And it, it is a scary thing when you add the fact like this is how you eat uh, or maybe some people have the additional um, factor of a family, mm-hmm. right? So they got children to feed uh, or they have, they are maybe the primary breadwinner. Um, you have bills to pay. Like all that does factor into making not the right decisions, but making the decision that makes the most sense for you economically at the time. And I think this applies. I mean, we're talking about creatives here. So as a creative, this is the thing that we struggle with a lot. Like, what am I going to do? What can I do to make money and do my art? The ideal is you make money from your art and you got the best of both worlds. Even that has its challenges, but that's the ideal that I think most of us as performers want to have. The no- another way to look at it is you have a job that supports your bills and then you can still do your art. The, other, the third way of doing it is you have uh, like the Medici family to Michelangelo. Right? You have a family of wealth or somebody that basically is a patron of the arts and supports you in that way. Uh, these models are also discussed in the gift by, um, and I'm looking at the book, Lewis Hyde. It's a a thick, really thick book about how do economics, how do, how do business and arts collide when they collide, what happens? Um, but those really are the three main ways that we, we have three main ways of making money as artists, right? Making a living. And so when we, it's tough for us to look at different models one, when there's nobody there that's challenging us and saying, actually, there is something different and it is possible to make money. Uh, I experienced that for the first time. Like YouTube is like now a thing or it was a thing a few years ago. But like eight years ago, I was a D- tour DJ for Daystorm, huge social media guy now uh, on Instagram. Um, but at the time, he was the number one subscribed MC on YouTube. And uh I was doing the digi tour with him and all these other people who were making money off of YouTube. 
And I was like, what is this? <laughs> like literally what, like one of my friends was like, dude, he has more Facebook likes on his page than Daft Punk. Who is this guy? Yeah. So this was in 2012, 2011, 2012. Um, and I got exposed to people that were doing this for a living. I had no idea that this was possible, but then that opened me up to like, oh, there's this whole world, right? Uh, but that's like exposure to something different is, some, is super important. That's why when you say scary, it's not scary when you've seen somebody else do it because now you have a model for how it works. When you are tasked with making your own model, then it's the fear of failure is huge. Now, what is failure? right? We see failure as, we take it as a personal thing. I messed up. I'm horrible. I'm the worst, yada, yada, yada. Like it's our self-worth is attached to us either succeeding or failing at something. But is it really? That's the question. I've recently been able also with the help of Mike, right? Like been able to reframe what failure is. Failure is really nothing more than data. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Failure tells you what doesn't, failure just shows that this thing you did in this way doesn't work. So when you do it again, don't do that. Make these adjustments for the next time. And when we start seeing failure as just a, a data collecting tool of the thing that we're trying to do, then we take a step forward toward making the thing we want to do happen. And when you are at the edge of um, the unknown, and pushing for the next thing in creating your own model, like that's when things really start to happen. That's the scary part, living on the edge of it all. Um, I'm also reading David Deutsch's uh, The Beginning of Infinity, and it's deep. It is super deep. It's crazy, highly recommend it. He's a physicist, and like the things I've been reading during the pandemic have been fun, to say the least. <laughs> so I'm hearing two things. So the first thing is, this coach, I think, I mean, this coach sounds a lot like a therapist, right? And I think that, uh, that but I, he's not. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's an episode that I did with a good friend of mine, Mark Ruiz, who's getting his doctorate in psychology. Yeah. And we're talking a lot about just how much therapy has exploded during the pandemic and how good of a thing that That's is. Right? Great. Thing it is. But there's also something to be said about just being able to talk with somebody about these problematic, let's say, uh, scripts that you might have in your head of how yeah. you and i'm wanting to hear what i'm hearing from you is this coach that you have has such a great way of breaking down these scripts in a productive way that doesn't make you question who it is you are and your successes or your failure failures but what that person allows you to do is see exactly like you're saying failure is just a data point right it's just something that didn't work exactly like you said so then your job is to go ahead and figure out what can work yeah right? extremely, extremely powerful, I think. You know, yeah. So I also work for my coach. It's a fun arrangement, but uh, it's me and another coach and him. And uh, so he, he reads stuff, he recommends stuff to us and one of, and sends us quotes when he comes up with ideas, like we filter it among the three of us and talk about it. And one of the quotes that David Deutsch writes is, error correction is the beginning of infinity. Hmm. Like thinking about, what that means, I think that's the quote, but um, I'm paraphrasing if that's not it entirely, but essentially that's what it is. Error correction is the beginning of infinity. And it's that, I interpret that as 
every error corrected creates other errors, which then you correct, which then creates other errors, which then you correct ad infinitum. Mm-hmm. So Kanye, uh, in, I don't, Kanye just came out, uh, or Joe Rogan had a podcast with, um, an interview with Kanye yesterday, and I'm like halfway in. And one of the things he said was, I want all the smoke. When I'm on Twitter talking about, I want all the smoke, I want all the problems so I can figure out how to solve them. And I was like, oh my God, I'm making these, all these connections because I agree. He's like, give me the problem so I can fix them. Mm-hmm. Nothing personal, but you got an issue, hit me. Like, let's figure it out, right? And that applies to so many areas of our lives. But anyway, it's to your point, it's, it, it is, it was, he has a great way of reframing problems in such a way where there is no diminish of self-worth. It's just a, more information that we can use to make decisions with. The, the question I feel like this also kind of stemmed from was like how, what else can performers do? Like if you are able to find somebody that can help you kind of look at things differently, I think that's huge. Um, but another thing is like journaling, oh. I think. Right. Like it's just being able to get your thoughts out and not look at them a few days later when you're removed from that feeling is is a way to see like, oh, well, this is what I was thinking. And I OK, well, I see where I was at. I see what was going on. Next time I think I'm going to do this or I, I feel like maybe this feels like the right pathway to go. Um, I what the pandemic is and tell me if you agree or not, but the pandemic, I think, has forced us to really look inward to a large degree and see like, are, are we happy with what's going on? One thing for me is I'd look at, I looked at this as an opportunity. I said, this is a reset button. That's how I'm looking at it. Uh, and yeah, it's economic havoc for every, for 99.9% of us, but I'm still seeing it as a reset button because I don't want to go back to the way things were because I didn't like it. Sure, I was making a living, things were happening, but I didn't like that trajectory. And had I kept, had things kept going business as usual, I feel like I would have been unhappy with it over time. And this pandemic made me stop and say, well, did I like what was going on? No, not so much. I wanted to look this way. So now I'm doing the work to shift it toward the way that I want my career to look like. And it's hard, but if there's any time to do it, it's now. I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, this podcast in and of itself is a product of that. You know, so glad you're doing it. <laughs> right. It was one of those things where, you know, it, it's exactly what you said. It was like the shock, right? And then it was, what do I do? And then it was inward, right? And the journaling thing, I mean, that has become just like a central pillar of my life. Like every everything revolves around that is magic, man. It's magic. It just allows you to see what's going on. You come back at it a few days later and you can see what patterns are coming out of it. You can see what's not working, what is working. And also there's a weird sense of clarity that comes out of that. That to me, you know, I had always heard, oh yeah, man, journal. Oh, you should journal. You should journal for years. And I was like, there was a stigma around journaling very much. So I grew up, uh, born in Oakland. I grew up kind of like lower middle-class kind of on the line, poverty line. Um, the mentality was very much, you work, you work, you work, you work, you work. Yeah. And then you work. Journaling was never part of that. Self-care was never part of that, you know, nose to the grindstone. It wasn't really until recently I started realizing self-care is so important. And so, so again, so, so if you had to recommend three books for anybody to check out, creative or not creative, 
what, what would they be to get this mindset? Because your mindset is so powerful, man. That's that's really what I wanted to delve into. And it's and it's fascinating. I think I'm still developing it. I mean, I'll be I'll be real uh, as I'm thinking about book recommendations. Uh, today was a hard day. Uh, I woke up today. I had work. So um, I, I was I was working with uh, Mike and then I have my own coaching program where I coach DJs. So uh, in the calls today, I was just off. I don't know what it was, but I wasn't feeling it. Um, I, I feel like I had messed up toward the end of the call and I was feeling a little bummed about that. Uh, and not a lot of people showed up to my other call uh, for my own business. And I've been marketing this call for a while and trying new things. And I was just like, yo, I was just having a day. And uh, my I took a walk and so I was able to shift my energy. And I'm glad I did because now I feel much better coming back and excited to talk to you. I didn't want to come in with that energy, but, but it was a, it, it was a shitty day, man. And I, I want to be real about it. Okay. If, if I didn't take that walk, I would have come on and started by saying like, I'm having a bad day and just been honest about it and saying like, this is a part of life that I think maybe doesn't get acknowledged enough where I, for all, like yesterday, I played with a Grammy winning band, bro. Like I should be on cloud nine, but I woke up feeling like eh, something right. And so it just comes to show that like, no matter how successful or you, somebody is, or no matter how successful I can get, that there's still a human element to me and, or to anybody who's achieved any kind of success, that it's not always what we think it is. And how do you manage these moments? My main takeaway from all this is that mindset, you know, that, being, developing, constructing a mindset that sees that unknown as possibility, right? But also very much looking at it uh, proactively, right? And and with a sense of handling your business, like you were saying, okay, if you need to do some work during the day just to pay the bills or whatever, but you have this other thing going on, then do that. Invest that time, invest that effort to create the future that you want, whatever that may be but with the belief and with the knowing that it is possible, right? And that this time, exactly like you said, it's unprecedented, but it can be unprecedented in a way that, who knows, five years in the future, you'll be somewhere that you never thought you would have been because you put it forth now. Exactly, exactly. Thanks so much for bringing me on. I had a lot of fun and going back and forth, like we could go on for another hour, I already know. Yeah, well, that's the next one, it's coming next up. One. I'm with it, I'm with it. Thanks, David. That was Arash Haile, AKA, Shammy D. I was so happy to bring him on the podcast because everything that he's doing as a DJ during the pandemic, I found to be so inspiring. And to hear him talk about his frame and his mindset and how stable that is, even in these very trying times, I think not only for a creative, but for anyone, uh, is something that we all need to hear right now, that positivity, that can do, and that checking in with yourself to give you that support that you need so you can achieve these things that you need to achieve. It was so powerful. Thank you again, Arash. Thank you for listening. And if you want to connect with him, if you want to follow what he's doing, if you want to attend one of his live streams, his information will be in the show notes so you can directly connect with him on all of his social media platforms that he's active on right now. Be sure to subscribe, to like. We are on Instagram at Everything But Music Podcast. I'm on Twitter at DF Costa. Be sure to send me a message directly on either of those platforms if you want to request a guest, if you want me to talk to somebody. Remember, this podcast is here for you all. So be sure to let me know who you want me to talk to. 
As always, these interviews are posted in their entirety on our YouTube account. That's Everything But Music Podcast on YouTube. That channel has all of the interviews, all of the episodes completely along with audio and video supplemental materials that we went over with the guests. So be sure to watch the full videos there on YouTube. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud with these shorties, which is what you're listening to right now. Once again, a big thanks to Arash, a big thanks to all you listening, a big thanks to the Patreon supporters, and if nothing else, I'll see you at the next one. Be safe, stay sane, and take care of yourselves.